Welcome to the Celtic Way podcast, where we look to bring a fresh vision of spiritual life by nurturing a vibrant, evolving, and sustainable life with God in nature. Celtic spirituality is an ancient tradition of seeing God in everyone and in everything. Welcome to the Celtic Way podcast. Great to be with you as always. My name is Matt Kinzera. Here as always with one of my favorite humans in the entire world, Scott <laughs> Jenkins, who is the creative director of Celtic Way. Scott, this one, I'm really excited about this, this episode because, you know, I grew up Catholic. I loved my Catholic upbringing, but I don't, to this day, I have no idea why. I mean, all the things we did for Ash Wednesday and Lent. Yeah, right. It seemed like all these crazy superstitious things that we did that I'm not sure I ever knew what I was doing. <laughs> and I forget that Ash Wednesday is, is coming upon us, you yeah. know, it's, and, and I always forget. And then of course I see everybody walking around with the ashes on their forehead. And then I remember, oh yeah, that's, that's what's going on. That's so, so fill me, I need some guidance here. I need some enlightenment. I need some direction. So I have a better understanding of Ash Wednesday and Lent. Uh, good. And I have all that, but I want to just, I want to tap into the past. I want to ask you, so what are some of your memories? Do you have any specific memories of Lent when you were younger? I do because it was such a part of our life. Again, not only did I grow up Catholic, but I went to Catholic school as oh, well. So, wow. so we were serious about Lent, but honestly, you know, like most people, the thing I remember about it is that big question of what are you going to give up for Lent? That was always the big question. And that's, that's the majority from what I think of growing up. Like that's always what I think of because there was so much emphasis put on, you know, giving something up for Lent. And of course that was the time when we couldn't eat meat as often as we wanted to oh, and things yeah. like that, you know, which in Wisconsin, cause we're known for our fish fries was, was not right. the worst thing in the world, but honestly, that was, those were the the things I remembered. And then again, going to Catholic school, I remember we just had a lot more, a uh, lot more time in the church, <laughs> a lot more time okay. in the sanctuary. Right. For me at our house, very strict German Lutheran house. So we had to give up all kinds of desserts. I had to give up chocolate. I think everybody else did do. And I had to, and I had to give part of my own allowance to the church every week. You know, Ooh. I was like, yeah, we would always try to, my brother and I, I have one brother who's two years older than me. We would always try to get away with what could we say that we're giving up that really doesn't matter, but my parents wouldn't know that. So we tried to, because we didn't want to give up chocolate or something crazy like that. So what could we say? I'm giving up this where it really wouldn't be difficult. For yeah. Us. I'm giving never... up going to church. You know? right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. Right. Yeah. And I always had this feeling like, because in the, in this whole, in our German Lutheran church, that there was so much emphasis on suffering, the suffering of Jesus, you know, mm -hmm. and, and my, my beloved grandma would always talk about this. And I was like, why is this a good thing? You know, and I never did understand. I felt like I was supposed to be religiously sad during this time, you know, and the music in the church was bad. We didn't have communion during Lent at church. Wow which meant the sermons were longer, which meant I got a longer nap, you know, when I was a little kid, you know? Yeah. But it just was very confusing to me. And I, I didn't like it, you know, it's because I never understood why about anything, you know, you just do this. Don't ask just, what did I tell you? Just do this. Okay. Got it. We'll just do this. So, and I'm kind of, I I'm naturally averted to 
sad things. I just don't like sad sadness in general. And so I think I also just did not like Lent because just of the sad over, I've always hated like good Friday is one of my least favorite days of the year. Because it just feels <laughs> so sad. And of course us Catholics, we have the crucifix up front, you know, unfold. so we have to deal with that every time we go to church. So it's just, a, right. it's just a sad place. <laughs> Let me change the channel. What is your feelings around Lent now? How do you engage it? What is it like for you? You know, I I guess I rarely, I don't engage with it on any great level. Some years I do, some years I don't. But I think as I've gotten older, you know, you understand the, the beauty behind sadness. You understand the beauty behind suffering. You understand that true goodness often comes out of, really difficult spaces. And, you know, when you go through enough challenges in life and see that lesson over and over and over again, suddenly things like Lent start to make a little bit more sense and start suddenly they don't feel so daunting, I guess. Right. My engagement, my thoughts around Lent have, and I'm a lot older than you have come like 180 degrees difference. I just look forward to this season as much as I do any season in the year. And we talked about Bridget being on the threshold and being a transition time. For me, that's exactly Lent is carrying us through the winter into the spring from death into life. And I think, too, personally, it's it's moving from old habit patterns that now I really would like to change. I have this, I want to change. And I want to engage to see what's there. So it's, I'm pretty excited about this. I have a, a thirst and a hunger for what lies ahead for me. It seems now 40 days special season, you know, and I'm, I'm glad the church has it. I'm glad it's called my attention to set this time aside. It's quite a thing, the thematic thing about moving from death to life and this new birth. And I'm hungry for it. I find this longing for it now. I'm happy about your optimism. I'm excited about what I'm going to learn today, but I'm still not giving up chocolate. So Okay, yeah. So no, I don't want you to give up chocolate. Okay, I want you good. to share it with me is what I want <laughs> you to do. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get into some personal things that are attached to my new feelings and my new attitudes. Some of them are very recent and, and deeply personal. I've been reading uh, Teresa of Avila lately and over and over again. I'm, I'm just struck with how she keeps reinforcing, know yourself. When you know your true self, you'll find your true self and it will be in God. And you will find that God is in you. And that's, for her, that's just everything right there. And so, you know, there's been a lot of death in our family and other kinds of loss as well. And we're in, we're sitting on a threshold. Chris and I both are pondering this whole retirement thing. And what does it mean, you know? And you want to talk about a little bit of an existential crisis. Try wandering from, you know, this self-definition of, I mean, you know how it is in American culture. Hi, my name's Scott. Next question somebody's going to ask me is, what do you do? Because our identity is so wrapped up with what we do. And as I was pondering retirement and like just letting go, I was like, well, who the hell am I going to be? (laughs) You know, know? and so that's kind of one thing looking forward. But my life is often filled with a lot of train wrecks and uh, a lot of 
well, just a lot of stuff. And my good friend, Amy Jackson, who's also my boss down at work, um, said to me, I want to recommend this therapist for you. And I was like, and I, and part of it was related to grief, you know, and all that stuff that I was just so struggling with. So I went to see this lady, Kenna Barron, who's also a spiritual director. And I want to tell you the work that we've done in the last three months has been some of the most helpful inner work I've ever done in my life. And the fruits of it, this hard, anguishing work sometimes, has been things like acceptance, compassion, understanding, forgiveness, all the things that Kenna would say that I offer other people in spades. And it was time as I'm approaching 70 to maybe think about offering those things really to myself. So the counseling sessions, you know, are once a week for an hour, but the work you do on this is almost every day and several parts of every day. And I'm telling you, it's just been the most rewarding thing. Because in the midst of having compassion and understanding, acceptance and forgiveness for myself, I realized that God had that for me too, no matter how many train wrecks that I caused. Somehow holding on to our sin or our brokenness or our bad deeds is somehow can become like this red badge of courage or something. Look at me, you know, and at the end of our lives, you know, am I going to be like Judas who's like, I'm not going to accept forgiveness. I'm going to go out and destroy myself. Or am I going to be like Peter who's just, you know, who grovels and yeah, I I did this, and but I'm coming back to you because I need forgiveness, and I know you'll give it to me. And once that leaps off a page and becomes part of reality, oh boy, then Lent can be exciting because I have this desire to want to do this. The Celtic connection has been nothing but revolutionary in my life, and I see it in this season more than ever. I sit with, I walk outside, we got snow. Dude, it's single digits again here today, you know? It's like the fourth day in a row. What's the high today? Five. <laughs> you know? And I, I bring the dogs to the door and let's go for a walk. And they get to the doorway and then they look at me and run the other way. <laughs> yeah. So, But I still do my walk. I crunch through the snow and the ice and it's just cold. But the Celtic message is, is really embracing me in terms of nature, that the cold and the snow and the ice is the kind of thing that produces death in nature, grounds things back into the soil that will eventually rejuvenate and bring the plants up. And I just so believe that. It reminds me that even wintertime, there is this life-giving connection that is going on in an unseen way. And the unheard promise underneath the snow is spring's coming. And so all these themes are living in me as we're approaching Ash Wednesday. And not only do I have compassion for myself, and I think I've always had a decent amount of compassion for other people, but it has expanded. My envision about being compassionate, I hope, is seeing through the, the lens of God. It has really increased my belief and my experience of prayer and trust and hope. Chris and I have both been to Ukraine and Russia. And I'll never forget standing on the border of Ukraine 
and Marisha, and just thinking about the statue that was built there about, you know, you are our motherland. We will always be your children. We pledge our friendship to you, you know. And watching the news today is heartbreaking. But the compassion I have both for the Russians and the Ukrainians, I believe, is also in the heart of God. And our prayer, we just, no matter how insurmountable this situation looks, we are called to trust and pray. And I get a lot of that because Lent is a, is a renewing of my belief and my trust. You know, I've been praying the welcome prayer now going on three years every day. And that eventually gets into your system. It's about letting go. It's about believing God has got this. It's about recognizing my own ego stuff that's so self-centered sometimes. And that, too, has really fostered some really positive things around Lent and Ash Wednesday. Lent is a two-pronged invitation. When you were a kid, we had to give up a lot of stuff, right? Giving up stuff today is translated for me into making space, creating space. I have the space. I get in this bad habit in the evening, you know, like I come home, and it's been a long day, and I sit in the chair, and I'm comfortable, and I turn on the TV. Not that there's really anything that's calling me. It's just filling up the space with stuff. And now I'm, I'm really plugged to the news because I really want this crisis to end, and I'm afraid it's not going to. And, but making space is so important. You know, it's life-giving, letting go, making space for what is the question. But I first have to identify the stuff that I've filled into my life. That's not all that life-giving, you know, so the TV is one thing. There's just a lot of <laughs> things. Yeah. I think the American way is one where we... I mean, I, I don't think, I know it's one that we try to acquire more and more and more. And that just leaves less space. You know, it creates more clutter. I know Susie, my wife and I, this is always for years now has been really important to us to stop trying to acquire more and do exactly what you said, try to yeah. create more space. We did that yeah. in pretty extreme ways by downsizing our house a number of years ago. And then one of the things that we did from just a practical standpoint, and I'm just talking about physical things, but we have just one small, I mean, it's not tiny, but we have one area of storage in our whole house. It's, you know, a large closet and we don't allow ourselves to put more than what can fit in there. And we go through that every year to clear it out because we know that if we have less things, there will be more life in our marriage. There will be more life in our family and there will be more good space to do good things. I recently got a new phone and I purposely chose not to put any social media on it because I don't want that filling up my space anymore. And I can't tell you, and this was just two weeks ago when I did it, I can't tell you the amount of freedom I feel for not having to be bound to that thing that's in so many ways pointless. So when I need information, so you know, I check the news in, in the morning as well. So when I feel like I need information, like wanting to stay connected on what's going on and with Russia and Ukraine, I can do that but right. it doesn't, it's not coming at me all of the time. Right. And so I do love this. And I even, you know, going back and we joke all the time about giving things up for, for Lent and, and how that was kind of a right. funny thing we all grew up with, but there's something really 
really true about that lesson that we all learned because it was this giving up. And then all of us loved Easter, right? Because it was the candy. It was the big meal. And so we were learning as silly as it may have seemed. And when we think back on it, we can laugh, but we definitely were learning this lesson of there's something to be learned when we create space and we withhold because uh, that brings about such goodness. As goofy as it might feel, I think we got the lesson. I think we did too. And it's so life-giving, you know? The, the prayer that I, I think I got from Merton or somebody, the prayer is for me, as I begin Ash Wednesday and as I begin for Lent, is about the prayer to desire. And I say, please, God, give me the desire to desire more of you. Give me the desire to engage Lent authentically and consistently. That's it. It's just simple because not only do the outward things change about all the things that we're giving up. So it's this desire now that becomes the motivation. And that's transformative because now it's not legalistic. I'm not this little kid anymore who doesn't understand. I have this desire to become more compassionate for my neighbor and the, and the world I live in and, and myself. And I think God places this desire in us to become the people we were created to be, to become our best self. And Lent is like this 40-day season that sort of invites saying, hey, I want to get your attention because this is what's waiting. Your becoming, your growth, your transformation, if you will. And so I've set some things out, very concrete, very specific that I desire, that I enjoy, that I want to do. I'm going to fast every morning until noon because there is something about giving up my favorite meal every morning that creates space for me to do 15 minutes of my meditation in the morning and a half an hour of Lexio. I'm really looking forward to this. And the other thing is I'm reading this book by Jim Forrest. It's called The Ladder of the Beatitudes. He has his roots in the desert mothers and fathers, just like Celtic people do. So what I do is important. Where it comes from is equally important. And there, I think for me, there has to be a balance about giving up or making space and then filling that space intentionally, which will fill the desire that God's placed in my heart to become the person I want to be. I think, gosh, Lent is like a really, really good invitation it's really good for us and for the world, you know? And I like what you even did linguistically there. I think when we say giving up, it has one connotation, but when we say yeah. making space mm -hmm. in my mind, even with what we're trying to do, that makes so much more sense. We might still be giving up, like in your situation, you're giving up something, but right. what we're truly doing is we're creating space ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. I want to end with something about the beginning. It's so amazing to me that some of the parishioners who were deeply committed to church and spiritual life, this whole ashes thing was a big deal. And they would say things like, it kind of creeps me out. It's kind of like somebody's closing the casket on me before I'm dead, you know? <laughs> it's right. like kind of eerie. But this is where the great 
and you know this word as a Catholic, this is where the great mystery is, right? And we see it in Celtic stuff too, that somehow the many deaths that we will die through the season of Lent and the course of our life, right? The being reborn again and again and again and becoming. The invitation for us can really feel sometimes like a death, releasing and letting go and challenging ourselves and wanting and desiring something deeper and more profound and rich. That can feel like a death sometimes, especially initially. We're always in a place to begin again, no matter where we are. So many people that I've talked to are like, oh, my spiritual life is stale. It's flat. Okay, it's time to begin again. And a few people will say to me, my spiritual life is consistent and, and it's doing well and it's still time to take a deeper look, a deeper dive and begin again. And it's really life-giving, becoming our best selves, the person that God has created us to become all along. We're always in a place to be renewed by God's Spirit. The liturgical season of Lent has become this precious gift for me instead of this, oh my God, here we go again, right? The scripture calls us to exploration and engagement. Nature is slowly, very slowly in Colorado, removing the snow and the chill and speaking a message to us of spring. Our world is in a dark place. That's where we are. And in the midst of that, we're still called to be the light. And to be the light, we have to be renewed. And here we are. The darker the world gets, the closer Ash Wednesday comes. It reminds us of our mortality. And so from the dirt of the ground we were created, and to the dirt of the ground we shall return. And having markers on our life, beginning and endings, is a good thing. It stirs up in me the belief that even that, what seems to be final death, really, as many Christians and Celtic Christians believe, is the great threshold into the life that comes next. Welcome Easter. To support the Celtic Way podcast, be sure to subscribe to it, give it a five-star rating, and write a review. And if you'd like to become a sustaining member, please go to our website at www.celticway.org. Find us on Facebook at Celtic Way.